Hello everyone, welcome to episode 607 of Cold Wave Soundcheck. I'm Aaron Pollock. This season we're chatting with the performers of the Cold Wave 6 Festival in Chicago September 29th, 30th, and October 1st. For the full lineup of acts, including a Thursday night kickoff show at The Empty Bottle and Smart Bar After Parties, head to coldwaves.net. This week we're chatting with returning performer Richard Jonkier. This is Front 242.
We spoke last year when you were touring with the Cox, and uh, we talked briefly about how Front 242 had a quiet 2016, and it looks like 2017 is going to be a bigger year for Front 242 as far as touring goes. Are, are you now freshened up? Was it good to have a little break? It, yeah, it was. I think it was necessary, especially for one of us who was kind of a little, uh, a little bit sick. He, he needed to take care of himself. So um, yeah, and 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 for the others, it was also the opportunity to do other things. And uh, yeah, it's good we're back and fresh, uh, definitely. Alpha Matrix recently put out a uh, a two CD set which has a lot of bands reimagining Front Two Four Two's band catalog. Have you listened to that at all? The few things I heard, well, first of all, it's always like a, a, an honor to have like other bands uh, taking your songs, and, and it's it's kind of strange. You you never expect when you you do music yourself that in 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 the, in the future people will take the songs, love the songs uh, to a point that they want to do it uh, and 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 do uh, their own version of it. So that's always a good feeling, of course. Um, but um, and and as I said, I just heard like maybe two or three of them, and it's it's interesting to see that the way the people perceive the music you've been doing in the past, uh, the way they um, they hear it, and and the way they digest it, and the way they um, they produce it on on with their um, ideas. So it's always cool. A covers album is even more interesting than a remix album because it's not like they're taking it apart and doing their own thing. They're sort of Right. Doing something true to what you've done, but just interpreting it a little differently, yeah. Well, also, also because most most of the time, most of the time, a, a remix is like like a, um, um, you place an order. You you ask people, you pay them to do things like that. In in here, it's like more like, would you like to do it? And people are um, um, you know um, enrolling to do it. It's it's another approach also in uh, on the business side of 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 it. So yeah, definitely, I think it's much more interesting to have people doing their own version instead of doing remixes for for some money. You guys haven't had any new material in almost nine years now. Is Actually, it's, it's more than that. <laughs> is there any plans at any point to do any new material, or, or do you are you guys happy with what you've put out at this point and just happy to share the existing catalog with fans? Again, uh, I we always try to be honest, and um, if nothing came out since uh, actually it's two thousand three, the last uh, studio album we did. It's just because we didn't feel that what we were doing was good enough to be put on the market to, uh, and, and to, uh, to spread it. Uh, when you do music, and I guess it's the same for any kind of art and, and even for uh, – I often compare doing music as cooking. You know, when you're a chef, before you serve your recipe to, uh, to your customers, to your clients, to the people around the table, you want your recipe to be perfect. You want to be – um, to enjoy the food you did, to uh, to find it nice. It's the same in music. I think it's the same in painting. Um, if you're not happy uh, completely with what you do, you don't want the people to listen to it. So we tr- we tried a few times, uh, to be honest, because the um, the will was there, but maybe the energy was not the same. Maybe the inspiration was not good enough. And at the end of the day, each time we're trying to do something new with the band, we were not satisfied, and we would never ever put on the market a record only because people want us to do it. Uh, it would be easy. We know that there are many fans expecting new tracks, and, and that's also a cool feeling because they're really there for you, but we will never deliver something we're not satisfied or happy with uh, just to please them. 
I'm very, I'm very often disappointed myself when I got a band who's not producing an album for many years, and and at the end of the day they do it just because there's a market for it and and they can make some some money out of it, and then you listen to it and it's like, come on, this is this is not right, you know. So we'd rather keep on doing what we do good and best, uh, and that's that's the live shows. And as long as people are ready to uh, come and see us and, and enjoy it, and as long as we do a good job on that side, we'll keep on doing it until maybe one day we feel that we're not good enough uh, anymore to, to do it, and then we'll stop. Um, so may, that doesn't mean that we're not going to go back in the studio one day and do something. We, we don't know that. But so far, nothing was good enough to deliver. What you touched upon there, that, that's a good point, that because you guys have such a strong live show, you can continue to tour off the strength of the energy of your live set and people are, are more than willing to come back for more and more and, and I'm sure there's many other bands that maybe have tried to do the same thing and fans say, no, if you don't have anything new for us, then we're not interested in seeing you anymore. Well, I guess we, we probably lose part of our audience because those hardcore fans Maybe who wants some something new said after a, f- a few times, okay, that's it for me. I'm not going to come to another 242 show. But that's probably a small percentage because so far, I mean, we still fill rooms and, and we have an enthusiastic uh, uh, audience each time we play. So, uh, again, as long as we are able to deliver a good show, we'll keep on doing it. And as long as there's an audience who's ready um, to come for us, then, then we'll do it.
I know recently you were back in Chicago as part of the Wax Tracks documentary event. It's it's I I have no words to describe the the the, the feeling first of all of the, of the weekend. Julia and Mark, um, they, they were, those guys did a great job on not only on on organizing, of course, this event for the uh, screening, but um, the the documentary itself. It's just amazing. Um, first of all, those guys are not directors they're just like you know people like like uh, any other ordinary people they had an idea they had a dream and and they worked really hard like more than five years to get there and the result is just amazing um i think that the response i um i was there for the two screenings in the afternoon and in the evening and the place the vic theater was uh, packed twice and I can tell you by the reaction of the people that this is a very, very good documentary and people were really into it. You could hear people, well, there's some funny parts of it, so you could hear people laughing, but uh, you could also people hear people uh, sometimes crying because it was kind of deep. Um, I think that they, they were able to, to deliver a documentary um, that is not only talking about the music and the industrial um, music uh, from that uh, era, from that time, they were delivering, um, they delivered in the documentary a story of man. Those two guys, Jim Nash and Danny Flesher, uh, who came from, from, you know, a small town being a gay couple and creating that amazing label with all those bands and changing the face of, uh, of music in the States. I mean, it's really about them, and 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 um, and it's of course being we were part of that, and I was really happy to sit next to um, to Chris Connolly, to um, to uh, the guys from Trinity Cult, and and Paul Barker and stuff. And I can tell you that the end at the end of the documentary, all those guys were crying. Um, so it's it's a deep documentary. It's 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 interesting. Lots of interesting unseen footage from from the past. Um, you, um, I think it's it's a, it's a great story, even for people who never heard of any of those bands, even for people who never heard about industrial music. It's going to be a very good documentary because it's a a great story. So you guys played as Front Two Four Two and Cold Waves Three, and you were actually back in Chicago last year playing with the Cox and I think people people responded really well to that show. I, I heard from many people that, that that was, you know, absolutely after five years their their favorite set that they've seen. So tell me tell me about how fun that was to to get together with all those guys and play those songs again. Uh, well, first of all, to me, it was not to play those songs again. It was to play those songs for the first time uh, because uh, the main idea was to celebrate the 30th anniversary of, of Big Sexy Land that I did with Luke and Al. Uh, and, and I never went on tour after that. I, I quit. I left. And um, so to me, it was the first, the first time to be on stage and, 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 and do those songs. Well, First of all, the lineup was like amazing. Being being surrounded with uh, you know uh, all those guys was just a, a blast. They're nice guys, professional, great musicians. So it was like um, uh, you say. I don't know if you said it in English like a clock clicking. Um, it was that just just you know like rolling and um, yeah, the response of the audience. Not only the the, the cold wave show, but we did five more shows. Uh, uh, I mean, everywhere, and the reaction were always the same. I was kind of 
um, skeptic at first when Jason came up with the idea of celebrating the, the anniversary of Big Sexy Land. I was like, you know, who wants to listen to that live, like, you know, full album? And then eventually we start to talk about it and to come with ideas that it will, it will be Big Sexy Land, but also some songs of the second and third album with Chris joining uh, the tribe. And it's, you know, it turned out to be, I think, a great fun for the people on stage. And when you got great, you, you got a, a great fun on stage and, and good musicians and, and a positive energy, the people feel that. So um, it, it was really great and so good that we decided to keep on going. And um, we eventually got four dates now here in Europe. Uh, and eventually, later on in November, we may be back in the States for more. I've even seen for a couple of the European shows some people promoting it as a, as a revolting cock show, which I thought was interesting because I thought there might be concerns about other people using that name and being upset about that. Are are you worried about that at all? I'm not worried. Since day one, I said we should we should call it the revolting cocks. But other people, uh, and I respect their opinion, were a bit worried about having like some legal problem. But to be honest, um, I'm I'm the one who should be. Uh, pissed about what happened to the revolting cocks after and I never did anything because it's not my my thing to sue people and, and start legal actions and stuff like that so yes at a certain point we, I, I, we said you know fuck it you know it's the revolting cocks point uh, I did the first album it was called revolting cocks I was part of that so was Luke um, so there, there was no reason and to be honest I, I think we're going to do the same for the second leg in the states in November so I know some of your other band members uh, also have their other projects. There's Underviewer with Patrick and Jean-Luc. Right. Well, first Underviewer, uh, uh, I really like it. It's, it's amazing uh, the, the, the job they did because it's honestly 85% of the album was, was made like over, you know, like 35 years ago. It was made in 79, 80, 81. So it's really old material. Of course, they reworked it, but they they uh, they reworked it to, in in well, first of all, using the sounds they were using back then, and um, and giving themselves like limits and, and restrictions, uh, like they could not record like twenty five tracks because back then they only could record like eight tracks um, because technically it was that was the only thing that was possible. And um, and of course, I knew most of the songs because I knew them before 242. I would go and see Underviewer play, uh, you know, in the neighborhood. So um, they did a great job. It's really going back in in the early 80s, but not with a cheap sound or not with a nostalgia, but just with the uh, very good vibration of what you could do back then. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cool um, project. I'm very happy they did that. Um, now, uh, we are all working on music right now, so I cannot say much. Uh, I mean, outside 242, uh, as I mentioned. Um, things are going on, but, you know, maybe people will have to wait another one or two years maybe to, um, to hear the things. Daniel is also very busy putting out st stuff um, with uh, nothing but noise and stuff. So we keep on working, you know. We're not producing anything as 242, but we, we keep on working on music, on production, and, um, and know the live shows for, for this year. Good. Uh, I'm sure people people are happy to hear that you guys are still very busy with stuff. Well, the thing is that um, I uh, I heard some rumors uh, saying that it was a, a farewell tour for 242. Uh, we never said that. Uh, it may be the last one because we're getting old. You never know. But uh, as long as I said, as long as we can keep on touring and as long as there's, a, there's an audience there uh, for us, 
we'll keep on touring. So it's not a farewell tour. It's, it's you know, I hope it's not the last one, uh, but it's definitely something that we want to stop now. Frankie from Trinkle Curl said in the documentary, it's not over until you said it is.
On this episode, you heard Together, Headhunter, Volume 1.0, and Operating Tracks. Front 242 and the Revolting Cocks are on tour this fall. For tour dates, head to coldleaves.net slash tour page. Our opening music is Monster Zero by Acumen Nation. Our closing music is Messiah by Splinter Group. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app with the links found in the show notes. Join us next week as we chat with Wesley Isold from Cold Cave. Our closing segment each week is dedicated to the inspiration for Cold Waves, fallen Chicago musician, and sound man Jamie Duffy. Here's Kelly Novak remembering the first Cold Waves. God, Jamie, man, to watch Jamie in action from the minute you showed up at that club, he's like, surveying the place like i'm gonna change this jumping up on scaffolds lights like i I, he was in control of the whole place i mean it was just who he was you know um even at that cold wave show somebody had made a comment like there's a cord on the place there's if jamie was here this would not be happening you know it was kind of a little joke that we all had made at the end of the night like oh man how do you screw that up you know those damn boots were sitting up, though, on top of that speaker. And I think that's literally why I had the hardest time watching that acumen set. The biggest joke was that, like, every Christmas, my family would always buy him black socks and, and a bottle of whiskey, because that's, like, that's what you bought for Jamie. And it was always so funny, because he was like, black socks, how did you know? <laughs> it's like the one thing that he always needed, you know. <laughs>